Hi, welcome to the Save As Podcast, a conversation with the everyday designers behind iconic brands. I'm your host, Kay Funk, and these are the stories and ideas from the builders that define the products you love. Today on the show, I have Xavier Jones. Xavier is an extremely talented designer who worked in a few different disciplines before achieving his dream of designing footwear. Xavier is one of the most humble people I know and has made it far in his career through his constant curiosity and willingness to always be a team player. On today's episode, I talked to Xavier about his story, how his wild ride into footwear design led him to working as an expat designer in Vietnam and what it means to have work-life balance when you move abroad for a job. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on. I'm happy to be a guest. It's really awesome to have you. And just to kick it off, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, who you are, and where you're from? Yeah. Or I should say, tell everyone, because we work together at Reebok. And yeah. Yeah, so I'm from Flint, Michigan. Born and raised there. Grew up there my whole life. I went to college at Eastern Michigan University. Yeah, just a kid growing up kind of uh, in the sports, things like that. Was kind of enamored with like footwear and stuff, usually from inspired by athletes as they were kind of like the superheroes for me growing up. So, yeah, small town kid kind of experiencing the world post-college for the first time. Like didn't really go anywhere. So everything's been kind of a shocking experience the last six or seven years for so, so far now. So. And where are you living now? So, yeah, I'm in uh, Ho Chi Minh City or Saigon in Vietnam. So, yeah, I've been here about a year and a half now um, with Reebok as well. So what kind of formed you as a young person in terms of why you wanted to go into design? I would say I'm definitely probably Flint, Michigan in general. So it was very automotive kind of driven. We had a lot of production factories there that were kind of around the last few, I should say, the 90s when I was growing up. Still a couple there now. So I think being aware of like vehicles and things of that sort, and then also the sports angle. So those were kind of like the two dualities for me. Like uh, we had a lot of professional athletes from boxers to NFL players to athlete NBA players. So it was kind of like if you didn't work for General Motors, maybe you had a shot at being an athlete. So other than those two things, I didn't really have like, like much to really like. even like in high school, like. I didn't really think college was a real thing. It was kind of like, well, hopefully I get a job at General Motors and we'll see how this goes. I really like this shoe stuff, but I'm not sure how it's going to work. So (laughs) it was kind of this, like, those are the two options and see what happens. So then what kind of drove you to, how did you decide to go to college and for footwear? Oh, yeah, for footwear in particular, it was kind of my older cousin. So I have a... about my, I have six aunts and uncles, and so they had a lot of kids. So they're about eight to ten years older than me. Well, some are in between there, but about the oldest is about ten or eleven years older, down to like six years. So they were kind of like my big siblings. So I was trying to be cool to those guys. So that this time they were like going into high school or you know a little bit older. I was like I had to think do things so they would think I was cool. So being in the sneakers and those things kind of influenced me at a young age because they were going through their like like you know being accepted moments of life when I was a young kid. So I think my awareness <laughs> to sneakers and all that kind of started with that. And again, with like athletes, like, again, growing up in the Midwest, it wasn't a whole lot to, I mean, in Flint particularly, like even in Detroit, it been a little bit of a more diverse uh, experience, but we didn't have any professional sports teams. There was no major colleges near me. So 
living through print or media was kind of the thing for me. So like these athletes and seeing what they wore and, you know, buying that product was allowing you to kind of be a part of their kind of ethos or, or joining their movement. So that was kind of always my thing. Like, okay, this guy's wearing this shoe or he wears this uniform right. or has an endorsement deal with Powerade. So that's the stuff I want to be a part of. So very much uh, kind of like one of those kids who was kind of a, uh, like the perfect marketing kind of <laughs> guinea pig. Like I bought into all the stories at all times. <laughs> like if I drink pirate, I could run faster. Like I need it. <laughs> so that that's awesome. uh, my, my whole thing with like footwear and just overall kind of brand awareness, kind of stuff like that. Yeah. And then how did you find, cause I didn't even know footwear was a degree until later in life. Right. So for me, it was like this, like so many random steps of like just randomness that aligned. So when I was like in third grade, I went to the uh, Flint Urban League for like summer camp. So one of my cousins was like a counselor again. And like, you know, we went to the camp that summer. One of their projects was like draw a sneaker. And then like my mind was blown. I'm like, hold on, someone draw sneakers. Like I was always like a kid doodling. But that moment was like, oh, I can potentially do this. I remember my mom's like, well, someone's doing it. And so that was always in the back of my mind. And then it would be like, you know, the Detroit Free Press will be like, oh, draw a sneaker for the Detroit Pistons. You can meet the players. So I'm like, oh, OK, let me try this. And so that was another step. And then it kind of came to like me, like Googling stuff on the Internet and then kind of finding like College for Creative Studies in Detroit. And like, oh, these guys are drawing sneakers. And it led me to a graphic design class. And then I remember just looking at all the different like colleges and art schools. And then I seen like, oh, these guys are drawing sneakers. So I'm headed towards the right place. So it was kind of like this series of like small increments that kept allowing me to like keep this dream alive. And then and then it kind of all yeah. came to combination probably like in uh, 2010 when I did Nike Future Soul. It was like a design competition with Nike. And I submitted a design and I ended up like placing top six in my category. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Nike thought I did something cool. And then that was like all the validation I yeah, needed. Yeah, that was like blow <laughs> right. my mind. <laughs> right. right. So from that point, like it was like quiet all throughout college. <laughs> like Nothing really worked out from there, but I was still keeping the dream alive. Like these small things are happening for a reason. And so it was just like those little small things for me. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. And so then you went to college for industrial design. Is that right? No. So I went to college for, I started in product design, uh, but it was super okay. automotive based. It was like des designing headrests and stuff like that. And I, I just, the, the professors didn't really get me my first year. And so I moved over to apparel, textiles, and merchandising, which was kind of like this okay. overall fashion degree. So I focused on the design portion of it. So um, like, I mean, selling dresses, all kind of crazy stuff that I never thought I would be doing. But it was cool from like, again, me like being that like kind of marketing kid who was aware of like campaigns and how products and things made you feel. The merchandising aspect was pretty cool, too. So getting to like yeah. figure out everything from store layout to branding, creating like uh, fictional brands and how you would roll something out over a specific calendar. So those were kind of really good tools to have as well. But I definitely was like super, super fo focused on design while being there and then like after a while i was like i don't think this is gonna <laughs> really materialize so much because like seeing the, the work that kids were doing at design school was like such a far leap and it, it's not really like i mean I'm, definitely it's a talent thing but it's more so like their resources and knowing where the yeah. industry's at and so everyone was kind of behind so i'm like looking at behance and stuff and i'm like guys like we are like so behind like i gotta like try to do like this and so <laughs> So that was a thing. But my school was an Adidas school. We were sponsored by Adidas. So that was kind of like 
this other pipe dream. So I'm like, well, if I could get in with athletics, I can meet with these like sales reps and these tech reps that come in. And we were at test school for Adidas too. So they would bring like, you know, products six to eight months early and we get to see the stuff wear tested and to get feedback. And then like nine times out of 10, people are not into it at all. I was like the only person like nerding out. Like, I, <laughs> like I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the new Derrick Rose shoe. Like, and everybody's just like, dog, I don't even want to wear those. So then I'm a 13 as well. So like, I'll just be wearing them around campus, <laughs> you know, wearing cleats, all kind of stuff. So it was like, if y'all don't want them, so I'll be giving feedback to Adidas and like, no one cares. Like, just fill it out. If you decide to fill it out, like no one cares. So that was like another like layer. Once I got in, I was like, oh my gosh, someone can do that. So whenever the, they would bring like the new catalog or like bring a new shoe for us to test and then like the tech rep or the sales reps will come and explain. I was like asking a trillion questions and they would be like annoyed, like, who is this dude? Like, <laughs> <laughs> So, but that was like another way, like, okay, I'm getting closer to the industry to an extent. So everybody from Adidas to Riddell or Shut, like the helmet manufacturers to Wilson, the guys who make the balls, I was always the dude asking questions or trying to like understand stuff further. So that's awesome. What what position were you in that you could talk to those guys? Did you just track them down or? So I started, so it was, I started as an equipment manager. So, well, pretty much okay. equipment in general. And again, it was like most guys do it because like they, they try to join equipment to like eventually join a team. So if you become like an equipment for football or basketball, you're hopefully after a season coaches notice you, you know, the system, you can join the team. And I was kind of like, I'm all about the brand. So it was like this thing, yeah. And then like another part, we were sponsored by Adidas, but it was really expensive for us to do to get gear through Adidas, like print it. So we would buy the or get the gear sent, and then we would print it locally. And the graphics were horrible. So me being like a design student, I was like, "Yo, I'll design everything for all the all the colleges if you guys let me, and I can get them printed." And so I started doing that and then develop relationships with all these coaches and stuff because they're like, yo, you could do exactly what we want and it looks good. I was just basically knocking off a lot of Adidas, like Adidas legit stuff, but tweaking it, you know. So that was kind of like my whole thing. And then from there, they would be like, well, maybe he knows a little something. Maybe we'll take him to the basketball meeting and maybe he'll pick like a foil for the ball or something. And I would just ask questions or if they, you know, bring helmet decals in like, yo, could we do this? Could we diamond plate it? What does it look like if we did this? So just being curious and like this, this make believe the creative director role kind of like I was just asking so many questions. So that was kind of my thing in college, like trying to figure that out. That's really impressive. And actually, like, I feel like that's a background that so many students don't get. Oh, man, it's such an the crazy part is like, again, I went to a mid-major division one school at EMU. So we didn't have the resources. So if you were at like Florida or like one of those big universities, I only could imagine. And the money is unbelievable. So it was like, I got to fly around the country, like every weekend, like go to New York to play against Rutgers or go to Florida. You get to go to the University of Florida game or we go to Seton Hall, fly to, you know, it was just like weird. And, and then it's like chartered planes and like, you, like right. everything's paid for. I'm like, I get out of class. I get them. I'm like, dog, this is so easy. And then again, because I was in with the coaches, I didn't even have to do a lot of like the, the labor stuff. So I, I'll be like in the press box <laughs> writing plays that like, it was so random. Like, it was like the most luckiest thing ever. I'm like, and they, then they and they pay you to do it. I'm like, this is so easy. Like, what's going on? Yeah, you get all the free gear. Like, that was another cool thing. Like, just decked out Adidas stuff. Like, it was like, okay, I'm going to just keep doing this for a while. <laughs> so Real life hits. You're like, I actually don't really want this. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly, man. Yeah, but that 
That was it. I almost went to grad school at Temple, actually. One of my bosses had left to go to Temple. And, I, and then that was the other thing, too. They'll pay for your master's degree. Like, if, you, if you're good, like, with the equipment staff, they'll, like, okay, we'll sign you on for another two years if you want to get your master's. And you just do the same thing. So I'm like, yo, that's a free free master's degree and still get to do all this cool stuff. And then I was about to sign until I had an opportunity with Pencil and Adidas that came about and I was like, okay, I'm out. So, Yeah. Wow. Um, I remember that you went to Pencil. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So this is the same thing, like desperation mode. I'm kind of finishing up college. I had like maybe two credits left and I'm just trying to figure it out. It's like none of, I didn't get any major internships. This Adidas thing didn't really plan out. I'm still like, copying emails like trying to get them like i would just code email these people i've met and then i was on like nice kicks or soul collector one of those websites and it popped up like adidas is doing this earn your stripes program with pencil and like submit a design nine designers would be selected three color materials designers and they'll fly you off to portland for a month to like work on a facet of the adidas business and i was like man so and i seen it late like i seen it like probably the day or like, or maybe one day, like day or two before the submission was due. So I just stayed all night in the library, just coming up with ideas. And I just scanned the sketch and I didn't think I would hear anything back. And that following week, they sent the emails and I was selected and I was like, no way. So again, like my apartment lease is ended. I'm like, am I going to go back home? Is this like temple thing going to work out? Like I'm doing paperwork, calling this, this school. So it was like all this stuff getting figured out. And then that opportunity came about. And it was like the most insane, like so, so much of an emotional roller coaster. Like, I think that was probably the craziest moment of my life today. Like, it was just so ridiculous. It was like everything I thought it would be. And then just so much like heartache and like hard work. And like, it was such a beautiful experience, though. But it was just like such a crazy moment for me, for sure. But it was well, well worth it, for sure. And then getting to go to campus, meeting real designers, like seeing guys you read about, like seeing product. Like it was just like the most surreal experience ever. Especially like I was like working like three years trying to get two Adidas and I'm like on the campus where I'm literally cold calling the sales rep. Like, yo, can you please? Like, <laughs> I know a lot about tech fit jerseys. I can help you sell them. <laughs> so what did you, how long were you guys there for a month? Yeah, yeah, about a month. They definitely like, they came in, they kind of picked like, I guess Adidas big categories they thought that would be like emerging markets. And then they kind of picked three teams, three silos, and they kind of broke the designers up within that. So my team was for originals, but we focused on uh, the skater Dennis Buznitz. So he had like a pro model at the time. And it was like one designer would focus on how this would evolve like 10 to 15 years from now. One would focus on how this would be like a lifestyle iteration. And then the other designer was like, how would this uh, work as a performance shoe or how would you evolve it? And so we worked in a tandem to kind of tell this overall kind of brand story for this athlete or whatever team we were on. And then we would pitch it to the Adidas original team and they would give us feedback during the month. And then we had this big showcase, like the final month at Adidas headquarters and kind of got feedback from like some, all the directors and designers and stuff like that. So it was a really good experience. Oh, that's awesome. So you worked on the, um, original side and then after that, what kind of came about after that? So I'm like, I'm here. I'm like, I'm in Portland. I'm in these people. And I remember I was like telling my wife or my girlfriend at the time, I was like, I'm not leaving. Like, I think this is going to be it. This is the best thing ever. And then she ended up getting an internship with the Sacramento Kings um, at the time. And so it was literally like, either I try to stay and figure this out in Portland or do I go back home? And, and then she got that gig. So I flew home like one day and then we got on the plane and flew to Sacramento and I was just there to support. Like, that was a huge move for us. Like, again, we never went that far at all. Like, other than, like, the, like 
the first time I was on a plane other than like I went to space camp in like middle school is when I was in college going through all these like random cities for sports. So then that like the Portland was the furthest I've ever been. And then like now in California. So it was like in the last year or two, I've been on more planes than I had been like ever kind of in my life. So yeah, we moved there and um, yeah, she was doing that. And then I just started applying for jobs. And then literally I was like, applied to work at the Adidas store <laughs> at the uh, King's Arena. And they called me back the next day and was like, yo, like we don't have uh, this role open anymore, but you have locker room experience because I did equipment. Would you want to come and work in the locker room for the season? And I was like, heck yeah, like I'll do that. You're awesome. <laughs> and then Sports Authority called me back too. So I was like, I'm balling. I got two jobs in a week. Like I'm like, I'm doing it big. <laughs> like it was like super hype. And so. So, yeah, so I did that. You've had, like, multiple dream jobs. <laughs> I, know, right? I, I was like, I've done, like, almost every job I thought I ever wanted, like, in a short span of time. <laughs> it's so weird. So that was really cool, too. On game days, we got to work on the visiting team side. So it was, like, interacting with guys. Like, you get to see LeBron or help these guys and shoot around sometimes. Or some dude may want in and out Burger. You go get food for them or you never know so that was really surreal too like just interacting with those guys and stuff and then after a season of that I was still trying to get into design so I was still designing on the side trying to pick up freelance work and then I applied for an internship seasonal graphic role with the Kings and they gave me the job and so from there everything started unfolding because it's like now I have the design experience yeah. so I started getting callbacks and I was like because at first I was like I must be the worst designer ever like I'm just, I'm just not cut out for this like <laughs> but and so then from there that was kind of my way in and that was like a super blessing and such a such a good opportunity both opportunities actually so from there everything started to kind of fall into place that's amazing how long were you there I forget well I was yeah well I did a whole season in the locker room and then I did like maybe six to seven months in the creative services team with uh like Ryan Bryce and Sarah Sarah Molina like good guys so that was really really awesome and then from there I had took a role with the Atlanta Falcons which ended super super quick we were trying to make we're gonna like eventually make the move to Atlanta because they were again like starting their new arena and then what is it it's their soccer team is it Atlanta United but they were starting that so they were like you know, a whole new upstart professional team as well as the Falcons. And I was like, yo, this seems like a great opportunity. But then I kind of just got burned out from graphics. Like I kind of wanted to do the product aspect and then New Balance kind of showed up, started showing interest. And then they offered me an uh, internship there, which paid more than I was right. making at the Falcons. I'm like, I'll take this. So totally. we packed up, moved to Boston. And then Reebok was contacting me at the same time. And then uh, I ended up leaving there after a short stint too. And been at Reebok for the almost five years now. So. Oh, that's amazing. Um, I mean, I remember when you joined at Reebok and it was like, who is this kid? He is so talented and like so humble <laughs> and like the nicest person ever. And you just like came onto the team and everybody loved you. And yeah, I've, I mean, oh, honestly, man. I think you're the most humble, most talented person I've ever met. <laughs> No, man, that was like the dream come true. Like, it was so surreal being there. Like, because I had read, like, you know, I was always a sneaker guy. So Soul Collector Magazine and seeing pictures of the campus or seeing, like, interviews with Todd Krinsky and, and Jeremy and magazines and stuff and all this stuff. So I was like, dude, like, I'm really here. And not only, like, I get to work on this team with, like, where these guys are. So it was kind of super surreal. I mean, a year prior, six months prior, I was walking to work at Sports Authority. And now I'm in Boston, like working in this crazy office, playing basketball that much. It's like, this is not real. Like, and I'm getting paid like a ton of money. I was like, I was thinking like $10 an hour. Like, well, this is like not real. <laughs> I'm like, how is this possible? So like, it was just like the dream come true. It's like fantasy. 
Um, I mean, and we're working on some pretty big projects at the time too. Like, I mean, you started those initial like Piramash shoes, right? And um, work on some of the future stuff as well. A little bit, yeah. We did some some yeah classic well, some nylons, and I think we did a, a Kamikaze. It was a lot of rant. It was like crazy. Like I think my first shoe to come out was the Hall of Fame shoe for Shaq and Iverson. That was like surreal, like. And it was so like nonchalant. It's like, yo, like we got to figure out something for this. I'm about to call Shaq. And I'm like, what? So it's just like literally like do it. Like got to have it done by tonight. It's just you, like it was like okay. Like now looking back, it's like it does not make sense like at all. So that was super super crazy. I had a lot of like early early success like that stuff. And I mean, Swiss Beats shoe that was awesome. So. Can you talk a little bit about your how your career progressed at Reebok and you know where you are now and how you landed there? Yeah, so it, I think it definitely progressed pretty fast. I just kept my head down, even how I do now. I mean, sometimes it could get overwhelming, but just keep going with it and uh, trying to just you know offer my best best work and try to be a team player at all times. But um, yeah, from there, worked in uh, classics, uh, a lot of men's stuff, decent amount of basketball stuff, and then from there. Um, I ended up getting this opportunity to move over here about a year and a half ago, which was for core lifestyle. And so great opportunity, great team over here. And then also to get international experience. I was just kind of looking at ways to potentially like progress my career or like seeing things that other people had done. So again, talking with like Todd and those guys and how they spent time in Korea or, you know, China prior, I think it'll be very beneficial for me to see that side and then understand the business also i'm really into like the marketing aspect too like that's kind of my main thing like how can i tell this story like it's tough for me to just draw shoes like right. really tough like i have to have a really good story for me to really get like emotionally involved into the project and so it was really cool for me to be able to kind of see that stuff a little bit more too on this side and then just understand development as i didn't go to school for product right right so, I'm a fan of product, so that was cool. But in terms of like just understanding it, I kind of skipped that skip step. So it's definitely really cool to kind of see here, you know, day, daily to walk, through, you know, the factory line and see stuff being made and different processes or see different vendors and all that. So it's a super bonus to see that too. Yeah, because for people that don't know, you guys are in the factory, right? Your office is in the factory. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Our office is smack dab in the factory. Like it's kind of crazy how everything is made is like right behind like gate number one or door number one. You just walk there. It's like, oh, here's where everything is being made. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's amazing. I think for people that I, I remember going to the factory for the first time in my mind was just blown. Yeah. I mean, yeah, me too. Uh, the thing is like, I thought like it was like just team travel. I'm like, this is just, they're busy now. And we're busy and this seems like a dream. And it's like, no, this is every single day. <laughs> like it's, right. it's like it doesn't, it's no cutoff. It's like not a, it, just because they're working on your shoes, like they have the whole other side of the business to do. And then the factories in general, it's like it's tens of thousands of people that work here. I mean, it's so many different brands that you see. And it's like, oh my God, it's like a city of people that make all these products happen. And it's like so crazy to see like how much like much manual labor goes into all of this. Like you think it like we're so advanced or stuff has evolved, but like the process is so much the same as it's been for the past 30, 40 years. It's like, oh my totally. gosh. Yeah. It like never changed once it moved to Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it never changed. Yeah, I think just for people that don't know what team travel is, so team travel oh. is when all of the designers, developers, 
product marketing team from a brand go over to the factory and work directly from the factory and um, kind of take that last step to bring the product to life. Right. Yep. Yeah. Does that, is that how you would explain it as well? I would say that too. (laughs) And like extreme craziness, like everything has to be done in like a week or two. Yeah. That, (laughs) that too. Yeah. No sleep, craziness, trying to figure it out. Especially like if you're new, like it was I only did like two, two prior to this. It's a good, you know, time, but it's totally different when you're here. Like, it, it's like, what? Like this doesn't, it's no cutoff. You don't get on a plane and go back home. It's such a different way to look at it. Like, so. Um, so can you talk about what a typical day looks like for you? Yeah. So a typical day for me is like, we, we, we get up probably around like six, six thirty ish. Jay comes and get me around like seven thirty, eight o'clock ish. Um, takes us about an hour to get into where we're going, where the factory's at. And then uh, we usually work up until around 5.30 or so. Then it's another hour back. But in terms of like the work day, it's like it, it varies because here we work on like a vast variety of products. So everything from like a new upper to fill a gap somewhere in Korea to a performance shoe that's for the U.S. to me doing basketball shoes for it's, it's, it's such a like you never know. So it's this constant kind of scramble of like, what what's happening and you know how stuff it's just so fast paced so it's kind of like but the beauty to it is like no meetings and stuff like in headquarters i feel like a lot of times you're meeting and then you spend time outside of work getting work done where here it's kind of like you're lock and loaded like it's not a whole lot of meetings it's probably eight of us here so we all sit in the same room and whatnot and then it's really good from the standpoint of like transparency with marketing so it's no like secret marketing meeting. It's no like, <laughs> you know, them having a, like a totally different opinion. It's like, it's kind of like we all we got. So it's like, we got to like, it's a way better experience than like kind of all the uh, different moving parts of, of like a global headquarters. It's definitely a little bit better. So you guys are kind of like a tactical team that's getting everything done. Yep, absolutely. And then the opposite side is like getting home like around seven because it takes us a good while to get home, 6.30 or seven o'clock. And then it's doing more meetings with the global team when they get up and then it's kind of repeat. And it's it's different because it's like not seasons here. So every day feels almost like the same. It almost feels like deja vu a lot of the times. And so the, the time's just flying by. <laughs> it's like it's no way it's been a year or some change already. It's like it feels like I'm still in the opening month or something. It's so weird. Totally. How do you how do you balance that? How do you have a work like balance if that season never <laughs> slows? <laughs> I think that's been the tough part. I mean, even when I was at headquarters, it's kind of like I I feel it's such a privilege to kind of have this role, especially on my background. Like it's all I ever wanted to do. And so now as I'm kind of maturing, you know, it's kind of like me trying to figure that out a little bit more, especially now, like, you know, having a significant other here that kind of depends on you kind of being there for them. is definitely a key for that, too. So for me, it's um trying to take time off, going to play basketball when I can or going to the movies or just taking like a weekend off and shut down the computer and watching Netflix and hanging out. I'm a very homebody person. Like I'm not a big hanger outer. Like, so that's good. Like I like being home when I'm home, but it's definitely tough for me. I'm still kind of learning that aspect on how to, you know, structure that moving forward, especially once your priorities change. And I mean, like you having family and stuff like that, like how do I structure that going forward? Cause I'm kind of like, once I'm locked in, I'm locked in until I'm like almost burned out. Like I'm just like, I'm done. Like I can't think. And then, 
come back to it. So definitely kind of learning that aspects of how to balance that because it's so much a part of you, especially as designers, right? Like it's not like a turn off switch. It's not like an email or something I could just send. It's like we're always thinking and if even if we're not designing. So if I'm not even on yeah. the computer, I'm thinking about how I can fix something or how I have to revise this tooling or what could be a cool new upper or a new shoe or even like I love pitching strategy or, or like product stuff to marketing team, especially like in the US. Yeah. So me, it's like growing that growing in that aspect too. Like how do I make something more compelling i know the business a little bit better what makes sense for us what is the consumer looking for and how that makes sense for the season so i mean just i don't know i'm always thinking about that kind of stuff so it's kind of hard for me to shut shut it off so we'll see going forward if i can figure that out a little bit better but has there been like anything that's been like particularly helpful for you asking because i feel like this is the ultimate designer struggle <laughs> i think honestly i think just getting getting myself to stop working like it's that simple. Like, yeah, like if I go play basketball and I feel so much better and I'm like, wow, like it really helps. Or just, you know, like, I don't know, like just taking your mind off of it for a good day or 24 hours. Or like if I like I've been I've taken vacations here, which I never really done before. Like that's kind of like a taboo thing. Like vacation. What is that? But it's a little a lot of little places to go around here. So taking a few days off and it's like coming back, you feel it. And I thought it was like like people just talking like, oh, I need a vacation or like I need time off. And I'm like, oh, it really is real. And I guess again, my age is catching up with me a little bit now too. Like I'm not like super like overzealous, like ready to roll at all times. I'm like, man, I'm kind of, I'm feeling like tired. My eyes hurt <laughs> before I just keep it going. Totally. So I don't know. Like I have back problems. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Now. Maybe it's a combination, <laughs> yeah. especially like playing basketball. It's scary. Like I thought like when I got the rebound, I thought everyone's joking. I'm like, it's no way. Now I'm like, oh my God, like I'm sore, my body hurts, I can't move, like, so totally. just staying active, the more the better, I think is, I mean, something I definitely want to implement more, but it's it's definitely tough with the crazy schedule we got over here. But. I feel like um, that's the best part about, well, I mean, I don't know, I don't live there, but I just love how close everything is in um, Vietnam and like, you can just jump and go anywhere and like through vietnam or to japan or thailand or yeah thailand yeah all that stuff is really cool like it's super super cool to to be there and check it out we were trying to go to australia at a point but because it, 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 it's like again like an eight hour flight or something we're like what like this is like unheard of so but we end up not making it so hopefully again like japan and australia be my next two destinations hopefully yeah do you get to travel for work we did, but again, my, my whole time here has been COVID. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I think they did a lot of market trips to Korea in particular. And then Hong Kong was a lot like uh, pretty often here. So, unfortunately, we haven't had many, many, many meetings there. It's been all digital, but we'll see how it right. goes again next year, hopefully. Hopefully, it'll open. Yeah. yeah. Wait, just to backtrack a little bit more for my knowledge, Jay picks you up or the driver picks you up? Yeah, our driver comes get he comes get Jay first, and then they come get me. So I was like, "Oh, Jay's on his way." So we have our our daily Starbucks and our chat, our live chats, which is really good. Like me and Jay, like best buds. Like it's super good to have him here. Like it'll be totally different without Jay. I think. Uh, like I really enjoy him. Here. Oh, I miss him so much, and I miss those chats. Well, that kind of leads me to one of my questions. I know a lot of people when they're working abroad, they kind of form a family there. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you have that there? A little bit. I mean, I, I, again, I've been like kind of since I left Michigan, like again, after college, it's kind of just been me and my wife bouncing around. So we kind of have this like ultimate camaraderie because it was kind of like a, like a leap of faith for both of us. So it's kind of like we always kind of relied on each other. 
but it is cool to have like those people you could kind of bring in that you meet here and stuff like that. So I have been building friends. My wife, she has a couple of friends she's met that that lives in our building and stuff like that. Or she hangs out with a couple of friends from uh, Reebok as well. So that's good. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's good to have like a sense of community, but then we kind of like kind of rely on each other a lot too. <laughs> so, so, but definitely my wife has been my ultimate crutch for most, most things. <laughs> Um, well, can you talk a little bit about, cause she's always had, um, her career as well. Is she working in Vietnam? Um, a little bit. So she started to doing coaching and stuff for, for basketball for some of the youth here. So they, oh, that's yeah, amazing. so it's so American, uh, guy out here who does coaching. So he trains a lot of like little kids from like six to 18, but it was definitely a break for her uh, as well. You know, kind of, you know, giving her some time to kind of explore where she goes next career wise from here. So, um, again, don't want to have like too large of an employment gap. So we're trying to figure out what the next move is, which will be best for both of us or where she sees herself going next. So trying to figure that out, too. Yeah, I know how complicated that can be, because when you both have like exciting careers, it's really hard to like make a leap for one person and then leap for the other person is kind of this interesting back right. and forth so with us it's been kind of good because again it's kind of like all been like a like a stroke of luck the past like so yeah. it's like we kind of just keep rolling with it like yo well, where where's next we'll figure it out and so <laughs> just kind of having that like blind faith or like i don't know just kind of taking taking like a day at a time see where things go it's been good but again now it's like gotta start planning a little bit more <laughs> well i mean i imagine this has got to look amazing on her resume too like living abroad, working abroad, all of those experiences, you know, it just makes someone so well-rounded and seeing all these different cultures, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's been really, like, different, too. Like, I mean, I work a lot, so I haven't been able to immerse myself as much as I would like to, or even, like, picking up the language is really, really tough, especially, like, again, from the Midwest, like, we barely even speak, like, proper English. I was like, <laughs> even Spanish is a stretch. It's like, <laughs> like we don't know anything. So that's how it's kind of tough. But also, it is cool to see, like, just how people live and how they, the holidays, just the little stuff that's different. It's kind of really cool that you pick up on and see how people interact with one another. So that's always kind of, like, surreal most days. Like, just seeing, like, water buffalo across the street or something like that. It's like, where am I? Like, how is this possible to see water buffaloes or, like, the Mekong Delta and seeing all kind of like stuff or I don't, it's, it's just so surreal daily. Like sometimes like you, you kind of take it for granted. And then sometimes I'll just be riding with a J I'm like, how did we get here? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Like never in a trillion years would I ever imagine like I'll be here. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an awesome point. Like when you're growing up, you don't necessarily think like I'll live in a different country or like <laughs> I'll be designing shoes so surreal daily it's like what like how 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 is this real what are some of like the biggest joys and the biggest struggles of working abroad i think the biggest joys for me in terms of like work life is more just seeing the totality of the business right like just seeing like kind of like behind the curtain even like sometimes we get briefs right you don't really know where they come from but it's like okay this came from this and that and the product looks like this because we couldn't afford this and we had to do this and it had to be crashed in six months to make it to this account or this retailer and then just kind of seeing that whole dynamic is very interesting because like again as a designer you're kind of in your little bubble at hq like it's only so much you're allowed to see but it's like i get to see how it's made i get to kind of see why this was yeah. like propositioned and then even like 
how global team takes it and if they sign off or not, what's the feedback, how do we make that a reality for them? Like, so it's constant, this whole balance of kind of seeing how things work, even like from shipping, like, you know, how to save costs by doing things a certain way. Or like, if we decide to air freight something, why, why, and how is that going to get done? Like, it's totally a, it's like you get to see it up close and personal, even like down to the vendors. It's like unreal. So it's definitely cool to see the whole production side. It's not just like this email chain. Like someone's literally pouring the rubber to do that PU cast. <laughs> like, was like, like I'm seeing it happen. And then they had to like go to this knit place and then ship the parts there. So it's a totally different experience to see it all. Like, come together like in the like how how on hands-on it is daily like it's like this is unreal you need to come out of this and take a design director position because your understanding is going to be so holistic and i think there's so many design directors that don't have that point of view and I think that's like a, a really big struggle in that position and you're gonna be like so well versed and just like you have all the things you know you have like a, the merchandising and the marketing and so yeah <laughs> one of these days one of these days we'll see but yeah it's it's crazy i definitely try to soak it up as much time as i can see in the processes of things but again we spend a lot of time in front of the screen because it's always more product but it's so awesome to see like it's it's like again like take it for granted to be just to walk there and see stuff and just like the daily problems they have too like it could be something as like simple as like the mold like trimming the rubber is causing something it's like how do you redesign this to to be more efficient for them yeah it makes you appreciate like development when they're always trying to show you videos like look this is so hard (laughs) like can we make some concessions here (laughs) absolutely absolutely even seeing someone modify a mold was like crazy it's like done by hand I'm like, how, like, how can you do that? Like, it's like, you really are doing this by hand. It's like drilling directly into this like big piece of steel or whatever. It makes you appreciate design more, but also like understand like how much you kind of take for granted as well too. It's like someone has to do this. That little change of you changing that logo or like adding that little lug. It's like, that's not like, this is a lot of labor. Like I I understand like why they're upset. I mean, I guess that kind of sounds like a big joy and a big struggle. Yeah, it's mainly a joy because, I, I mean, I'm very, like, receptive to what people tell me. Like, I'm never that, like, crazy guy. But it also makes you kind of look at the business. Like, guys, yeah, we got to be more efficient. And yeah. you know how it is. It's kind of craziness at all times at all of these companies, I imagine. And it's like, we have to be more strategic and follow through with plans in order to, like, make this run way more efficiently. And yeah. so I think that kind of starts up front. Like, how can we make that, like, to the point and concise? stick to it and figure out how it goes but that's the tough part with business changing and changing and it's just so much like it's insane like i can imagine you doing this for like 30 years like you didn't seen and lived through so much product it's unreal so i don't know i hope so. in our generation we look back after 30 years and we're like wow it actually changed instead of like wow it's exactly the same manufacturing process right <laughs> and now though i feel like it's worse because it's speeding up right because everything everyone's trying to catch a trend and like the attention span of the consumer is much shorter like that's what i struggle with now because it's the it consumer like the 16 to 18 year old kid like that you're trying to market to i don't even know what they're into anymore like the interest yeah. kind of changes so much and i don't even know if they're passionate about anything because it's so much product for them to go through where if you bought like an east bay catalog or a magazine like you had to live with that for a good amount of time 
And then now it's like, no, my Instagram feed is showing me 40 collabs a day, the leaked sample version. Like, <laughs> like it's so much like, uh, I don't know. That's such an interesting point. It's like they're not living with things enough to find love for them. No. Yeah. Like most kids, I act like if they're like in high school and I ask them like their favorite product, they're just kind of like, I like Vans right now. And, you know, I was so passionate about products, like everything down from like gloves for football or like my mouthpiece or like just little things like meant so much more to me where like, I don't know if they have that like boxing, like certain gloves or brands. Like it seems, I don't know. It's such a like fast turn. Like everything's kind of like fast fashion at this yeah. point. I don't know how we crack that code as you know in this industry in general right it's kind of tricky so we'll see <laughs> hopefully we figure it out but the, the the kid i don't know what they want like i don't know if anyone can define it i don't even i don't think they can define it it's kind of like hype drives it all the cooler the partner that's it but in terms of like need or functionality or it's just kind of all out the window at this point <laughs> i mean i think it's like how do we drive that love with this next generation right Right. I guess you're starting to see kind of like the opposite side of that with like kind of like the upcycling kind of trend stuff where people are taking things like that. But it's such a niche thing. Like, how do you make that a mainstream thing or like a brand like Patagonia really like, you know, implements that where it's like you kind of want to be a part of this brand and, you know, and keep, you know, the world of being a better place and recycling. But it's really tough for like the average person, like the Midwest guy. I always kind of revert back to like, that kid for me because i was like we didn't have access to this like even if it was a collab like it was so far-fetched to get when i was growing up it's like there's no stores around here like i gotta go to chicago it's the closest city if you want to get a shot at it like no like so now it's kind of weird we're like the phone or like social media is kind of connects you across the world and i don't know it's not like even that too like how like before it was kind of like pockets like trends you can find like well if someone's wearing a california's a little different from the midwest versus like even in japan places in europe like london now it's like the style is kind of the same like the trend that everyone is a part of it's everyone's kind of bought into the same designers the same brands the same so it's kind of weird i totally agree it's kind of like everything has just there, it's lacking a little bit of personality i think now because everything is funneled from almost like one perspective it is it really is yeah it's tricky i don't know i don't know i'm always trying to crack that code but it ain't <laughs> i haven't figured it out yet let me know when you do i'm very curious <laughs> <laughs> well how has working abroad um sort of helped define your career what do you see yourself doing after this and how do you think working there has kind of led you up to that that's a good question. I don't know yet. I think being here definitely kind of refueled my passion, like for things I'm into in terms of like, if it's basketball product or um, just telling stories in general, I think again, in corporate, you could kind of get lost in the shuffle of like the season and being a part of this brand and things We're here. We, we still do those things, but it's a lot of time with you kind of like, again, like working through ideas. And so kind of got like a, a new kind of love for a product, um, especially like Again, stuff I was already into, like basketball stuff and things like that. So I'm not really sure where that goes, but I think I've had a greater appreciation for things in general. Um, but in terms of where it prepares me for after this, I'm not really sure <laughs> yet. I'm not sure where that goes yet. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm seeing the creation side a little bit more. And then I guess, again, kind of try to crack that code on what someone's going to love and cherish. So that's like kind of this burning desire for me, like. I don't know what, where that ends up for me next as a career-wise, but how can I like funnel my passion and love for things and 
how can I turn that into like something I'm really, really like overly passionate about and dedicated to <laughs> wherever that is. So yeah, I'm definitely charged up right now. I have my days like this week. I was so upset <laughs> like yesterday. Now I'm back. I'm back at it now. Yeah. I guess not being there to see like the day-to-day physically. St- I mean, like the daily kind of still is like a little bit good too. So like I can hear the feedback or see the email, but at least I don't have to see this person yeah. <laughs> or talk about it. It's kind of like I could get a refresh. That guy, like it's kind of like, <laughs> like okay. it ain't that bad. It ain't that bad. You're like, I need a second. Let's talk Monday. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So. Totally. What would your advice be for someone that's trying to work abroad? Be willing to kind of do different things, right? Like I feel a lot of times with uh, younger designers in particular, they kind of have like a vision on what they want to do or feel like they may be above certain things. But being abroad, it's definitely, you kind of got to do a little bit of the dirty work as well as kind of have some fun here and there too, different projects. But I think you just be willing to kind of be the t- a team player first and foremost. Because again, it's only a handful of you here. So it's like, I have to get along with you guys. We got to make this work. Like you can't have any like anger or anything towards someone. So it's like the ultimate team player and being willing to kind of like, you know, be able to insert yourself where, where you think it'll be best for the business. So that's key. So just being willing to kind of sacrifice and uh, and learn and soak everything up. Like, don't come into thinking you know everything. I think that's key too. I think that's one thing that you're amazing at that you kind of touched on is like just asking a ton of questions. Check the ego. Like, I I'm, I try my best to be egoless. Like, it doesn't it doesn't help you get anywhere. Like, just be open minded, and everyone's trying to figure out the solution. So let's figure it out collectively. Like, that's my whole thing. So. So working in a totally new environment has probably sort of changed how you think about some of the things in the industry, right? Like, is there something in the industry you would like to see changed or something about the industry you would like to see updated? I I will say this, like my gripe is more so like a lot of the athletes that have built the brand, we don't really look out for them after they kind of lost their I guess superstardom or whatever or whatnot it's kind of like it's over and it's to find the next kid and I think that's most um most forms of entertainment right like we're, we're still kind of a product of the entertainment business a little bit and we kind of work through product but um I wish we would be more like um it's better for those guys you know I look at a lot of those dudes who kind of you know maybe in rough financial times but we're still making their shoe their name's just not on it and, you know, the same thing with, like, uh, the professional sports teams. Like, you build a franchise, you win championships, you you build this billion-dollar brand, and it's kind of like you're not allowed to be an owner, you know. So it's kind of these things where hopefully in the future that you'll be more included into that. And, and as well as for design, like, I don't know how we will figure that out going forward, but um, I look at a lot of those guys, like, you know, the Steven Smiths or E. Scott Morris's and these guys who help build this brand, Billy Marvin, and these guys kind of, carried the brand on their back for decades and did so many iconic things we still reference now and help Reebok become the global brand it is today but they're not allowed to kind of see the the fruits of the labor they're put in or they're not properly like rewarded or or um you know kind of you know cheered cheered on to for and, and given their roses while you know while they're here to 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 reap that stuff so I don't know. I, I wish there was a way we could do that for designers because we spend so much time with the product. Like as much as marketing is involved as well, I think it's a little bit more intimate with us because we have to physically do things like it's different. You can have an idea, you can see it through execution, but when you have to physically touch it, you know, and spend hundreds of hours doing things, it's a love that you have for product that's uh, most people don't see or don't understand, you know, <laughs> if you don't express it. Kind of like an intimate feeling, like no matter if it's a $40 shoe to a $200 shoe, it's like 
that feeling you have is like it's your your baby and you may even forget about it but once you see it it'll take you all the way back to that moment or you could like recall everything that ever like happened with this shoe like or product you know and so I, I wish there was a way we could maybe where we could kind of pay respect to to the guys that built the brand and allow them to kind of have maybe a stake in something i don't know how you do that that'll be like my dream for athletes and kind of guys who build product and stuff because it's cool like i could talk to like a todd or someone about a shoe and they'll give me like a general like thing about it but when i talk to like a scott hewitt about it it's a whole different story that todd maybe forgot because he's like oh i was at the pizza place and i drew it on a napkin and then i dropped it in a puddle and then i had to take a, like a picture like all this like what like and then i flew to korea the next morning and it's like that was so not a part of the story <laughs> but it's like <laughs> he lived so much with the product well, like it came from your brain. You can't replace that. It like someone else can think about what the story meant to them and like how they received the story. But like the designer birthed the story. <laughs> like exactly. you're never gonna forget that. Exactly, exactly. And I'm a huge history too. I love history, like all history. Like I think what Aaron Narlock's been doing with the archive on our yeah. side has been really great. But like the way they've been able to do like document things digitally and her bringing these different people in, like everybody even from the marketing guys is such a cool like journal or like diary but like to have it documented so we could go back and reference it at any point in time it's like super surreal and like those stories are great and i just wish the brand would like pay it for it a little bit like we could bring them in and do but it's like you know i i, I wish we could do a little bit more for those guys and the athletes as well like i feel the same way like they're such an integral part of how things became they were but i don't know how we figure that out but that's I always talk about that all the time. Um, so what does success look like to you? I think success for me in general was just kind of like, I mean, everything's been super successful. Like, I guess the the standard for me, I guess in my mind, like, again, it was like working for General Motors. <laughs> like that was, if I get a job working $20 an hour at this factory, I made it in life. So everything else has kind of been a bonus since I've been able to do more. So like. I'm not really sure. Like, I think I'm successful, but I don't feel that successful. But like, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think having like a great and healthy family down the line and being able to help, help them with their life experiences, I guess that would define success for me. But like, in terms of like product or job wise, I don't know if I really have that yet. Like, I, I still want to design like shoes for an athlete while they're playing, like in their prime. I think that's like, I want to check off the bucket list. But like, after that, it's kind of, I think I've, I'm 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 pretty happy how stuff turned out. It sounds cheesy, but you're living your dream, like what you wanted to do. You know, you're designing sneakers, and I feel like that's something that, in the moment, a lot of us designers sort of forget because, like, it gets stressful and things get tough. And I think that's something that you're amazing at is not forgetting that. I guess most people I know didn't that they didn't get the opportunity you know what i'm saying like i could do, like everyone that like from where i'm from is kind of still there so even family so it's like for me living here is like like what like how like i never even left the side of like town i was from growing up so it's like to think i'm 16 hour flight away is like what so i guess it always keeps me grounded knowing like this is all such a blessing like a stroke of just kind of luck and just super fortunate to have experienced it and who knows where it keeps going i never look at it as like this is as good as it's going to be or it's the worst it's always like a experience so again i got to be better at planning like i said earlier but like taking like life a day at a time and just you know rolling with the punches and just embracing it so this has been 
a great experience. I don't know. I may stay here the rest of my life. <laughs> Who knows? I may may come back. Who knows? But I just kind of, you know, take it a day at a time and just, uh, just super grateful of everything that's happening. I know that you have done a lot of volunteering and Carlos was saying in his interview that Jay and Ello changed his life by coming to his school and telling him what where was an option. And, you know, I'm sure like when people hear your story, they're like, that's amazing. I didn't even know that was an option. And I'm sure that's super inspiring. So. Absolutely. Yeah. That and just like letting them know they can do it. Like not just footwear, but anything like, again, this is me living my dream job, right? Like the time I was 11, this was kind of like, this is what I want to do. And I figured it out. And I mean, sure it's a stroke of luck and some determination as well, but like you have a goal and I mean, just, just like keep going towards it. And I think it'll like the stars will align and you'll be rewarded eventually. It's just like, how bad do you want it? Like, I don't know. It's really weird, but yeah, I am kind of living that <laughs> that dream job or even like me able to do like answer for stuff. It's like, I got this shoe for Christmas. Like I remember vividly getting this shoe and me able to do all the colorways or something for the bring back or something. It's like, how, like, how is this? How, how did I get here from like being the kid who was opening this shoe? You know, it's a really weird thing. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't take it for granted. Any of this uh, stuff again, I'm just super grateful and try to take it a day at a time. And I mean, don't set super high expectations and uh, try to, again, a team player, be positive and, you know, try to see everybody win. That's key too. Like I want to see everybody win. I want to see people have their success as well too. I think that's cool. Like getting the joy when someone else does something cool or, you know, or promote it or any of things like that. Like it's such, such a more like a, a good feeling, like when you're rooting for them, like, or believe in someone more than they believe in themselves, helping them realize their full potential. So just um having those relationships are great too like where it's not like any like you know shadiness or stuff like that like it's just have an open heart love everybody like that's all it's about and i think everyone knows that about you and that's what everyone loves about you so much it's just that you're so genuine and i think it just you can tell right away and I also think that's why you would be an amazing director. Hopefully one of these days. I don't know if I'm ready for that, <laughs> for all of that. Well, final question. What are you watching, listening to, and reading right now? Watching? I don't know. Not a whole <laughs> lot of much things over here. Kind of like NBA stuff here and there when we can. But my last thing I watched was probably this, like the like the history of gaming thing on Netflix. It kind of goes through like, the start of video games and kind of how we got to like uh pc games in the 90s and listening to big sean's new album so that's pretty good detroit too and then in terms of books i've been doing a little bit of audible stuff my favorite is it's a book by david goggins i believe it's you can't hurt me i believe that's the title but i've, I've actually listened to it a couple of times he's a uh a marine and he kind of does his journey on how he ended up um, joining the Marines and all his kind of struggles throughout his uh, childhood, which led him to to kind of become the ultimate form of himself. He goes too extreme, in my opinion, but it's like, it's like, okay, I should be doing more of my life then. <laughs> well, thank you so much, X. This was such an awesome conversation. I'm so happy to be able to catch up. And Yeah, I am too. I'm super, super happy to catch up with you and good seeing you and, and everything. It's such a such, such an awesome thing. Got to do this more. Like we all get so caught up in our own stuff, like, and we always say it, but like life is so short and like, Gotta like definitely, you know, cherish those that we care about and, you know, the people that have had, you know, intricate roles in our lives and play those parts. So, you know, thank you. 
I can't thank Xavier enough for coming on the show and sharing his story, his thoughtful reflection on the industry, and how living abroad has influenced his personal and professional growth. Living abroad is such a dream for so many designers, and it's great to hear from someone who has achieved that dream and can show us all it's possible. As always, be sure to check out our Instagram at Save As Podcast for some of the images from Xavier's life and also some of the incredible footwear he's worked on. Thanks for listening to the Save As Podcast. To help us get off the ground, we would love for you to subscribe, leave a rating or comment, and tell a friend. We would also love to collaborate with you. Who would you like to hear on the show? Please DM us and let us know.